Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Okay, um, today we have a special guest, Maureen, with us. And I, um, before I talk more about her profile, because honestly, I love I love following your page. I know you're a smaller account like mine, but I think it's just so helpful. Um, but I would like if you could just introduce yourself, kind of how you got started and what you're doing and maybe how it kind of transitioned into where you're at now. Cause I know sometimes we start off in one place and we kind of find our way. So if you don't mind just kind of sharing whatever you feel like you want to share and then where you're at now. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, yes. So I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist with this, which is a bit of a, of a mouthful. <laughs> um, but what it basically means is that I went to school for a very long time <laughs> to get my degree. Um, and I have my master's in nutrition. I started with my background in exercise science, um, at the university of Montana and then came over and I've been in the, the Washington for the last like 12 years, which I can't believe. So I did my master's out here, um, and immediately jumped into work when I was doing my uh, nutritionist to get their degree, to get your final degree, you um, have to do like a year of an internship, like a qualified internship and get in so many hours before you can sit for the board exams. And during that time, I was really interested in children and family health. And I did a particular, a certain rotation, part of my rotation at the Seattle Children's Hospital. And I did that for six weeks and really loved my time there and really kind of always had in my mind, I think children and families are like where I want to end up at. But I, out of graduating out of my program and getting my degree, I actually ended up at a local nonprofit here in Seattle and worked there for eight years and primarily was working with adults living with various chronic diseases. And it was very social justice, um, kind of working in like the food bank bank realm and working with individuals um, that were like minority groups. So I kind of got, I loved that work too, but I kind of got stuck there for a little bit, but then I became a parent myself and during that time, you know, just started to really dive into, I I think I thought I was going to be really good at feeding my family. Like I was like, I've got this, like this is, you know, like I'm prepared for this. Um, but definitely kind of slowly started to just kind of feel that sense of just overwhelm of all of the things that kind of um, end up piling on top of you in motherhood. And definitely by the time I had my second kiddo was like, I don't think I'm doing this well. Like I, this is you know, this is just harder than I thought it was going to be. Just kind of that constant shopping, cooking, cleaning, prepping, trying to be, you know, aware of their physical health needs, their emotional needs, just all of it just felt so overwhelming. And I definitely kind of noticed in my circle of friends, of mom friends, that it was like everyone else is also experiencing kind of this struggle. And so I, at that time, was like, you know, I've always wanted to work with children and families. 
like what better time than to like work on this for myself and also like help other people that are kind of in this same stage. So just a couple of years ago, I started my Yes Peas Nutrition um, business and launched a online program and I'm on Instagram and have been Develop. I sat down and I developed, I kind of like looked at like, what are all of the things? What are all of the things that go into feeding a family? Because it's, it's not just meal planning. It's not just prepping. It's not just shot, you know, it gets so many things that go into it. And when I kind of like, when you look at it, it like how much time of the day you spend thinking about food, eating food, preparing for food, it's so much of your day. And if all of those tasks kind of have like a low grade or high grade stress level to it. It's just a lot of time of your day to kind of just be spent, like not feeling your best. Um, so I looked at all of those pieces of everything that really goes into it and kind of bringing in that nutritional component of how to raise healthy, adventurous eaters and to have a healthy family. And kind of um, that started the foundation of, of my of my business. And what I aim to help people with is to kind of practically help people um, through feeding their family. Yeah, I was going to mention your name. I think that's so fun when I saw it, the yes, please nutrition thing. That's cool. Um, but I think what you said, you know, how you were talking about before you were mom, and then you kind of thought you were going to be because it's your your job, right? You think yes. like, I'm going to know what to do. And I think that's just how it is with every, you know, whether you work with kids or just even having your thoughts of like how you're going to manage certain things, you know, like screen time or, or for example, and then you actually get into motherhood and you're like, yes. okay, this is completely different thinking versus actually experiencing. But I also think that's kind of like how we come to provide better services, you know, like when we're actually immersed in what we're trying to teach people, because then we're like, we're not just telling you we've experienced it. And we're kind of like, we've worked through it. We're still working through it. And here's how we like apply, you know, what we teach that is actually successful. So, um, I would love if you would just talk a little bit about picky eating, if you have any tips, because I know that's a big, especially when we have kids who have more behavior, sometimes it can feel challenging to figure out what to do, because obviously there are going to be kids who have more of, you know, like the, feeding like the oral motor piece or a sensory piece that is Im impacting their ability to actually, you know, you can't just be like, well, you just have to eat this. And that's just that. Yeah. But if we're just kind of talking about kids, just, just generally general. speaking, do you have any specific tips that you would share with parents who are like, I don't know how to navigate when my child is refusing yeah. to eat or like, do you do the one bite? Like you have to try it. And if you don't like it, you can eat something else or kind of where, where would you advise moms on that topic? Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, picky eating is a really hard, it's, it's such a big topic and I feel like it's becoming more talked about or just more addressed, um, in recent years. And the first thing I always like to remind parents about is that there is that differentiation between, you know, a diagnosable, you know, like a kiddo that has like ARFD, um, you know, like a avoidant restrictive feeding disorder, where there is a lot more kind of underlining or medical going on. But because I generally like to say at some point in time, all children are going to be picky eaters, that there is a natural stage of development where kiddos are going to, and they're going to go in and out of it. Um, you know, like they're going to have phases where they are going to be more picky. And that is completely natural. 
We typically see that first dip happen anywhere kind of starting around like the 18 month to two year. You know, sometimes a lot of times people when they first start introducing solids, you know, they'll kind of express like, oh my gosh, they tried the butternut squash puree and they are eating black beans and, you know, just eating this whole array of foods. And then around that 18 month mark, sometimes a little bit later, it's kind of like, okay, you know, starting to show a lot more opinions about what's presented to them at at mealtimes and starting just to develop more of that autonomy and likes and dislikes. A lot of times food choices start to kind of narrow around that time. So I always like to remind people that there is a certain level of picky eating that is completely normal. Not many kids, (laughs) there's barely any like little children that that just would, you know, love and always favor, favor vegetables over all other foods. Like that's just like, if that is what you're thinking you need to like aim for or go for is like a kid that loves the vegetables, you know, above anything else, like that's just an unrealistic goal <laughs> to, to get for. So I always like to just remind people that there is that natural stage of, um, of picky eating that occurs. I think one of the most important things to do in prevention of the more aggressive picky eating is to continue to provide variety like you did when they first start first start solids to continue to always provide variations and a balanced meal there's um, a really well-known nutritionist and like psychologist in this area her name is ellen satter and she is a really wonderful website resource. She's kind of like the OG mindful eating, combining and bringing together um, like count like mental health behavior or just are just natural human behaviors and how to approach feeding for kids. Um, and she has something that she calls the division of responsibility. Have you ever heard of heard of that? Yeah, I think I have heard like, is that where, you know, you as the parent gets to choose like what the food is, what you put on and the child gets to choose what they eat or something like that? Yes, exactly. It's all about, yeah, who who has what responsibilities at a meal time. And it changes from right when like you're an infant. It's the idea that like the child is pretty much dictating, you know, like they're giving you the cues. I'm hungry. You're typically, you know, kind of like feeding on demand. They are choosing how much milk to drink and when to stop. Like they're controlling all those things. And then as they get to that age of where you're say, like serving table foods, that yes, you as the parent decide what food is going to be present at a meal or a snack. And then, um, and when, and you kind of start to control a little bit more, there's different ways to do flexible feeding schedules of when those snacks and meals happen, but that the kid always gets to stay in charge of which of the foods presented they're going to eat and how much of those foods they're going to eat. And if you maintain those responsibilities, if you are able to, and I, I tell people this all the time, if you can step back from a successful meal being how much food they ate of, you know, or of like what items, like if like to you a successful meal is that they ate a little bit of everything, like you're not like, that's just not how kids eat or that's just not how it's going. Like you're never going to feel successful. Sometimes kids are just going to want to eat the pasta. Sometimes they will surprise you and just eat the vegetable or just eat the fruit or they're, you know, or sometimes they eat a little bit of everything. And it's okay to let them guide that decision making. You are just, if you are able to remain and knowing that if you are providing 
you know, your protein, some carbohydrate, you know, fruit or vegetable, some healthy fats at a meal or a snack, then you can, that's your, you, you can kind of step back <laughs> and relax and let the kid guide the rest of it. It's, I feel like that a lot of people our age, a lot of millennials, we kind of grew up in a very, like, and that, you know, our grandparents, our parents grew up with a very different feeding style than that, where there was a lot of, you can't leave the table till you finish this. You, you need, you need to try one of these bites before you can get a second serving of something. So I feel like that it really instinctually goes against how a lot of us were raised. Um, but in reality, when we really look at just a, a very much like the science behind eating and around how children feed themselves, maintaining, allowing kiddos to have autonomy over those choices is really key to them feeling safe around food. A lot of picky eating develops out of a sense of a fear of being out of control and kind of narrowing choices down to the few things because those feel safe. So I always like to remind people to think about, I know you're in it right now, the you know beginning infant stage of just how nourishing and comforting the beginning stages of feeding are. You're close to your mom or to another parent. It's just this really intimate connecting time where you are being, you know, physically nourished. You're getting that sensation of your belly getting full of getting that food. And then you're also just getting that connect, that connection to family and to just that sense of belonging. So as much as you're able to maintain that feeling of safety and connection during a mealtime, the more you're going to have a kiddo that feels safe and able to express themselves and to make their choices and to eat in that environment. And they are naturally going to want to mimic and see what they see you doing. It might take a little while for them to be seeing you eating green beans before they venture out on their own and decide, I think I'm also going to try this thing that looks different, you know, like that looks different or sometimes isn't my favorite. But if you continue to be consistent with providing a variety of different foods at each snack and meal and allowing them to choose of those items, that's one of the best ways um, to prevent or to kind of develop at what I call like an adventurous eater. I have so many things that I want to dive off. I know, of. and I, I didn't even get into talking about what you can do if you kind of already have, and we can, you know, I can, if you have, I was going to pause there because yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things within this area. <laughs> oh, I just, I saw your, um, I missed it whenever you posted it, but I was looking, looking just a little bit ago and I loved that post that you did. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was talking about that, like how, and I've never thought of it that way, but like how we feed our babies and how they, yeah, it's just like this place of safety and calm. And it's, I mean, it can be stressful, you know, if your baby's not taking a bottle or something like that. Um, but generally speaking, like, it's just this like connecting time. Like there's not generally stress. Like, again, sometimes there is, if your baby's not eating for some reason, but um, and how that kind of shifts. And I think it's the same way with behaviors, you know, when our, when our babies are little or even like young toddlerhood and they're crying, we're like, Oh, you know, like it's okay. And we want to help them. And then as they get older and those behaviors shift, they're still coming from those same underlying feelings, but now the behavior is more triggering and we're like, that's enough. And I kind of feel like it's that same transition with food, you know, like when they're toddlers, maybe they kind of play around with it or something and it, and that feels okay. Cause they're still little, but then as they're entering into that, you know, young kid kind of early elementary type ages, it feels a little bit more difficult. 
So I think, you know, maybe you can get into some of the tips here, but selfishly, my question is, you know, so, so my oldest is going to be seven and, um, he, he's, I don't even know how to describe it because sometimes it feels picky, but then at the same time, like he'll eat salmon and seaweed and like these things that other people would be like, my kid would never eat that, you know, but then there's things that, um, like spaghetti, like he used to love meat sauce and now he doesn't even want to like, I don't, there was nothing, no incident that like he threw up after eating it or something. And now he suddenly doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. He just stopped eating it. And so like one of my questions, I guess is, and I think other people can probably relate. So if you're going with the thought of like, here's what's presented to you and you can kind of eat what you want from Mm -hmm. what we're serving, my, my biggest struggle is that they don't eat enough. So then they're hungry so much soon, you know, like, so say we have the, the spaghetti, for example, you have the noodles and we separate it. So it's not together and making that more difficult and it's the sauce. And then, you know, some veggies, some grain probably or something. And he just focuses on the noodles Mm -hmm. and maybe some milk or something, knowing that probably in you know, 30 minutes, he's going to be hungry again. We used to, when he was younger, like save his plate and then mm-hmm. go back and eat it. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. But the variety was much wider. Like you could pretty much, like you said, just put anything and even up to probably like three or four and he would just eat it. No problem. Um, But now it's becoming much more of a, like, I don't like any of this stuff. And it's like, but you, you like all these other things I know you like. So I guess I'm curious, like what you would say to moms. Cause I'm sure there's plenty that feel this way too, where you, you want them to eat because you want them to be, you know, you know, like if he's not going to eat, he's going to be crankier. <laughs> there's going to yeah. be more behavior and feelings and it's almost bedtime and I don't want to be hungry. And then, you know, all this stuff just kind of unravels. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious, like, how you approach that because sometimes it's like, well, if you at least try something and you don't like it, then, you know, then I feel like at least you kind of are exposing it. Cause there's been times where, you know, he hasn't wanted it, but he's tried the ham and he likes it and he tries mm-hmm. this and he likes it. But then, you know, like I'm not forced to try food or yes. like forced, like loosely, yes. you know, it's not like we're shoving it in his mouth or like, you can't leave the table till you eat. It's like, mm-hmm. if you want something different, you know, you have to try a bite. And if you don't like it, you can have something different sort of, which I don't necessarily always feel great about that either, but it's just like such a hard place to navigate. But in my mind, I'm thinking, like, no one makes me take a bite of something. I don't want to eat. I just don't put it on, <laughs> you know, but yes. like he's young and he like, yes. they have just ate things when I was a kid because I felt like that's what I should do. And I remember, like I told my parents not that long ago, my mom used to make this like um, beef stroganoff, but she used yeah. potatoes instead of noodles. And I hated, like <laughs> legit hated it. And yeah. I don't know if I ever said anything, but I just choked every bite down. Cause I just yeah. like, I wanted to be a good kid and felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Um, and she's like, if I would have known you hated it, I probably wouldn't have hated so much, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, like if you have any specific tips or like thoughts, yes. how we can kind of navigate that situation. Yes. 
Yeah. And there, there is always that piece of like, if I was to individually sit down with, you know, different families, there'd be the fine tuning of adjustments of recommendations for the situation, but kind of general, like, like, you know, across the general population, what I would say to that is, yes, I totally understand that we oftentimes have that fear of like looking at like kind of, you know, looking at and seeing what they chose to eat during the meal and thinking in your head, they're going to be hungry soon after. It still is best practice to continue to let them choose and to, mo- you can definitely use, I like to, you know, think of it more of like, you know, rather than saying the you need to take a bite of this before, you know, you get a second serving, you know, switching it and kind of looking at taking the pressure off of that. You need to, because when we do that, we actually are overriding kids internal, um, internal hunger cues and regulations. And we start to teach them to not trust their bodies. When you tell a kid like if they're saying I'm feel like I feel full or I feel done and we are thinking based on what we just observed that we don't think they're full, we are starting to give them the message that you can't trust your own, your own body's feelings. And I'm sure that you can already start to see as, you know, an occupational therapist, how bad that message is to give to a kiddo. We want to help them and respect them developing their, because they have it. They have it from an infant. They have that sense of knowing, you know, and like, yes, of course, there can be other feeding issues that happen within feeding an infant, but in general, they have, there's regulations, you know, there's systems within our body that help let us know when we're full or and when we're satiated. And so if you can, as much as possible, (laughs) um, help that at the dinner table by kind of turning it into more things like, you know, like if you're serving up and putting the things on it, you know, just doing the encouragement of let's see if we can get three different colored, you know, different colors on our plate or, oh, I like, oh, I like you're, you know, if they just choose the noodles and they're eating the noodles, sometimes, you know, just kind of giving the, you know, you can sometimes I'll to my, <laughs> to my other kid or to my husband, I'll say something like, ooh, like you cooked the asparagus really good, or I'm really enjoying my asparagus. You know, then maybe I'll kind of turn to my five-year-old and say, have you tried the asparagus yet? And, you know, if she says no, then I might just say like, oh, I'm, you know, like I'm really, you know, like um, I think you might like it, you know, or, or I might remind her of a time that she's, you know, like, oh, do you remember when grandma made that ham at her house and you like, you loved it so much. I remember you loving it so much. So sometimes we can give, it's so hard to say nothing. So sometimes I find that kind of turning or shifting to just some of those reminding them, you know, about a time that they did like the food or just kind of, sometimes I let my kiddo know like, Hey, I know Brussels sprouts aren't your favorite. I did cook these a different way. I didn't, you know, last time we steamed them this time I did roast them. And, you know, when food gets gets cooked different ways it can taste different so sometimes I'll give those as like a different way to approach having that conversation around food but I always try to come back to maintaining that they still feel in control of the choice to decide to eat it or not because within that they maintain that they it that it feels like a safe environment and that they also can continue to listen to their body and get to decide you know what? No, Brussels sprouts really don't sound good to me right now. And then, and they, and then that, that boundary gets respected. 
next time that it comes around to Brussels sprouts being at the table, they are going, they're not going to be like, you know, surprised or, you know, have that extreme reaction to the food. If in a situation a kiddo gets that, like where they have to try a bite or like you need to eat a bite to be able to get more noodles, that food oftentimes will become a food that will much longer take them to come around to trying it than if you, you know, step off the gas, let them be in control of, of trying it. What I generally say too is that if you notice that your kiddo is only eating, only chooses to eat the noodles, to let them to let them do that. And then, you know, depending on if it's dinner time and if you're eating dinner, uh, there's definitely different like, you know, setups that you can have for dinner time. Some people eat dinner really early at five and the kids aren't going to bed, you know, maybe until seven or eight, in which it might be appropriate to have like a pre-bedtime snack. Generally, the recommendation is to have it not be something too exciting and have there maybe be like two choices that if you need a bedtime snack, you can, you know, choose between peanut butter and banana or a you know like yo like yogurt um that like it's just something very simple like it's nothing that you know is <laughs> like a really exciting food but just kind of like a neutral but like we'll give them a little bit to be able to finish with if you're not eating dinner until later like if you're not eating dinner until 6 30 or 7 and maybe they go to bed shortly after that you might not necessarily need to have that and Oftentimes, especially for a little bit older kids, that can be a really good teaching moment to win their hat, you know, like if they kind of at, you know, like are brushing their teeth and are like, oh, you know, like kind of feeling a little bit wild that you can kind of use that as a moment to say, like, it seems like you're, you know, it seems like you're having a hard time tonight. I wonder, it seems like you, you know, like you just ate the noodles and didn't get any protein, you know, protein can help our body with feeling full and give us energy. Like, I wonder if maybe we didn't get enough protein. And you can definitely decide to kind of say like, why don't we, and I, I definitely have used the, if we eat an earlier dinner, I typically have available to them their dinner plate. Like the foods that we had at dinner is what I will offer again. So if that comes up, um, I will offer again, like we have, you know, like the dinner foods, if we don't have any of those things left, that's where I typically go towards just the, I offer just like two really basic things and hold for, and if they're like, I don't want that, then I say, those are your options for now. I generally use the phrase um, with, with parents, the fair, firm and friendly with like holding boundaries is that you can, it can be, you know, you can be friendly about it. You don't have to be, you know, really intense with the, well, you should, you should have done this um, type of language, but just being, you know, friendly within like the, the process of it being fair, being fair, like saying, I, I hear that you're telling me that you're hungry. So I'm going like, I'm going to respect that. And so here are your two choices, but then to hold firm to, you know, that if there's a different food requested for to hold firm to say, I hear that you're hungry and that you, you aren't liking the option of the banana and peanut butter, but those are your options right now before dinner. And if you don't want those, we will have, you know, like breakfast, we will have breakfast in the morning <laughs> and just holding to that to kind of let them know again, that we can respect that their, their body and their hunger, that they're feeling like that hunger and then try to bring that around, you know, and can use that at the next dinner time, maybe kind of mentioning like, remember the other night when you just ate the noodles, how your body felt afterwards? Like, what, what do you think about maybe trying some of the, of the meat sauce? But again, if they say, no, I don't want to. Just saying like, okay, well, it's the, it's there. I always generally kind of give the, it's there if you decide that you do want it. And I do sometimes notice with my kiddo that sometimes she just needs that minute to kind of, you know, have held her, you know, like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat that. 
But then like sometimes I'll almost like notice her like sneaking a bite. Like I hope mom doesn't see me like eating, <laughs> like uh -huh. eating, eating the meat sauce. And in those moments, I do almost try to like give her that privacy. I will almost like try to like, you know, not like call it out, but I'll kind of just like just give that pressure off and let her, you know, like let her try it. And just again, come back to creating that space where she's in control um, and kind of helping to use that as like a learning, a learning opportunity if, you know, like if they feel a certain way, but that's where oftentimes I've, I've had my kiddo. I mean, just like last night, my youngest two-year-old just ate asparagus, like just mowed a pile of asparagus and ate nothing else, but did not mention any, you know, didn't say anything the rest of the night about being hungry or not hungry. And so I don't, I think that it's like that thing, like where we, I, you can think that because they just ate one thing or not, that they might, that they're going to be hungry or not be hungry. But in reality, it's a toss up either way. I mean, a kid can eat a balanced meal and still, you know, an hour afterwards be telling you that they're starving. So it's, I feel like that one of those things that I always think about is <laughs> either way, if they ate, you know, a lot of everything, like they could still be t telling you a little bit later that they're still hungry or, you know, have a certain behavior going on so that you, you know, you don't always have to try to think about that the main success of a meal is getting them to eat a balance of all of the foods. Yeah. And, um, I think even, um, when I was working with kids on who have our tube fed, like kind of transitioning from that to actually oral eating, I have seen, you know, where parents just like are so excited that they're finally putting food to their mouth and they're like praising that. And the kid is like, I'm done now, <laughs> you know? So I think what you said about just like letting him have that moment, because, um, it's, it's like, they're, they're in control of it. And even just with behaviors, like, I feel like a lot of this really ties together you know, the, the goal isn't to like praise the action. It's like, maybe you praise like part of what they created, but not like, Oh, good job all the time, because that's then what they're going to look for, you know? Yes. Um, and so I guess just to bring it back around. So we don't struggle with like, you need to eat more because I don't think you're full. It's usually like, I'm so hungry, but I don't want to eat any of that, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, um, you know, do you just let him be hungry? Because he's so, so normally what we do is like, so he doesn't want the meat sauce. And I can see how this is, you know, like you said, save like non exciting foods or whatever, because it's not like you have to have a bite in order to get more of something else. It's if you want a different protein, for example, because he's just like, I'm so hungry, but I don't, I don't like any of this. I'm not going to eat any of this. And it's like, there are things on the plate, you know, I've heard the, like, make sure there's foods that, you know, that they're going to eat. And so in that instance, do you just say, these are your options. And if you don't want them, I'm so sorry, <laughs> be a terribly <laughs> misbehaved child until bedtime. <laughs> yeah. I'm, if you wouldn't say that, but you know, yes. If, if you have a balance of foods presented, if you have, you know, like if, if there was a situation where like you kind of looked at the meal table and you're like, oh, there really isn't a carbohydrate or the protein or something, then maybe, you know, bringing that in. But yes, if you do have the, you know, like have the sauce in there, you know, saying and feeling really emotional about what options are available. Yeah. Just holding to like, 
I hear that you don't like these options. You don't, and like just reaffirming, like you don't have to eat them if you don't, if you choose not to, but this is, these are the foods that we do have for dinner tonight. And if they're kind of saying, you know, like if they're calling out a specific, but like I wanted mac and cheese or I want the chicken nuggets, or this is the thing that, you know, if they're calling out a specific food, I oftentimes will say the language of like, I hear that you're, you know, I hear that you're, you were hoping for chicken nuggets tonight. I will put those on the menu. You know, we don't, I don't have a plan yet for Thursday. I will put chicken nuggets on the menu for Thursday, but tonight we are having this meat sauce um, and always just coming back to up to you if you want to eat it or not. So I will, if there is like a certain food that they're asking for, I will oftentimes try to let them know that that's not available now, but when, you know, when will, you know, like, okay, you're wanting chicken, like you, you, you were hoping for this. This is when I, you know, like, you know, to, you know, yeah, like letting them know, or just even saying I will, you know, like, or just like letting them know, like we're out of that. I will put that on my shopping list and kind of giving some of that reassurance of when that food might happen. But again, coming back to holding the boundary that 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 isn't, you know, what we're having, you know, chicken nuggets are not what we're having for tonight you this is what's available you choose and if they choose not to eat it i i there i mean there's so, there's it's i think that we oftentimes do get really scared with the idea that they if they don't eat that much for many for a meal but in reality their hunger and how much they are going you know need in a meal is going to flux and change all the time um and yes there is oftentimes where they might feel that like but once they know when they know and develop the the consistent. I, I also also tell people you have to be consistent. Like when you come up with your things, don't two nights of the week say this is what we're having. You can't have something else. And on other nights of the week that you you don't hold to that. That's going to be so confused. That's going to be so confusing. You've got to come up with like that consistent. But in reality, it doesn't take long for a kiddo to realize that when this, that this, like that there isn't another option. And then within that, they will start to, you know, be explore with the, like, just know, okay, that this is what's on the table is what's for dinner. I can choose from there. And maybe it is that they, on those spaghetti nights, they just choose, you know, the noodles and maybe they do that for a while, but like that is going to help them in the long run that they continue to still feel safe. You still got to do your side of choosing what was presented for the dinner. And maybe that's where sometimes I maybe will start doing things like if it's that the meat and the sauce were mixed, that's where I would maybe make that note. And next time separate and keep the meat and the sauce separate and allow, you know, but still serve that meal, but allow for there to be that slight adjustment for maybe a need of that they don't like the texture of the two things mixed or, you know, maybe, you know, like whatever it was within that meal, but I don't stop serving, you know, sauce and meat for spaghetti night. If that's, you know, like a main meal that we cook and that's easy and that's affordable. Or I might look at what I do a lot of times is if like we're having, um, you know, like salad or something, I will oftentimes, you know, also have on the table some like pumpkin seeds or pistachios or nuts or seeds to go on top of the salad. And to just again, be another type of protein source that if they choose not to eat something else that there's these other, you know, like there's this other thing available. Yeah, I, I think because I'm, I'm venturing to guess that a lot of people don't necessarily have problem with eating enough, although it might be a problem with budget, (laughs) you know, 
but the problem is the variety, you know, and I'm assuming as we try to get them to eat different foods, they're reverting back to, I, I need some control here. And so I'm only going to eat this thing because it doesn't feel safe anymore. And we think that we're trying to increase their variety, but we're, what we're really doing is maybe shrinking their variety because that's, that's the worry is that there's like, I could ask him what, what meals do, should we have for supper? Because we generally have the same thing for breakfast and lunch with a little variety of, you know, like the vegetables might be different or the fruit or whatever. Um, but for dinner, it's, you know, my husband's home, it's like a family meal and it is, it's just become very difficult for him to even say anything that he wants. And we do separate, like, so if I make a hot dish, cause I'm in Minnesota, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I will <laughs> separate all the different things we separate that for him. Um, but it just, I, I can empathize with a lot of parents who are probably like, but my child won't like, there's so few foods, you know, like, I feel like if I don't at least have them try, then what are we going to make? But I think what you're saying is make the plate safe and eventually they'll be willing to explore it and then on their own realize they like it. Yes. I, I, um, there's someone that I follow on Instagram. I don't, do you follow the, um, growing intuitive eaters, Dr. Um, Taylor Arnold? She is a really great resource for if you have a kiddo that is a little bit more on the ex- like more extreme picky eating side. Um, yeah, I believe it's Growing Intuitive Eaters. And um, she has like her doctor in pediatric like feeding and has a lot of free YouTube like courses and a lot of great material just even on her Instagram. Um, but she kind of she a lot of times looks at it as the addressing short-term issues versus also looking at a long-term issue. So you can address the immediate, you know, like you kind of have to take into your hands. Would you rather address that he might be hungry in a few hours and be feeling and have that behavior? Or do you want to look at the long-term relationship to food and to eating for the kiddo? And it is so hard as a parent to like, you're in the short term, like you're, you're in that immediate and dealing with the behavior that's happening now. But it is, I think that sometimes when you step back and look at develop, like developing the feeding for like the feeding and relationship that your kid will have to food for the long run, coming back to maintaining the division of responsibility of what you're in charge of and I think that too, if you have a kiddo that every dinner time there's just that struggle, I would definitely work on creating other moments around food or in prepping the food with you or shopping for the food, really working on just developing um, just like low pressure moments around food that they, where there is, you know, like where they're not having to like, you know, like decide, um, what to do. So, you know, like maybe it's, you know, they come home from school, they get a snack, they get fed, and then it's helping you, you know, prep something like the broccoli for dinner, but there's no asking or requesting or need for like wanting to eat it or to do anything else. And you guys are just talking about your day. So that can be a, a, a thing to do with kiddos like that is to try to just create, you can also just using other like play food type, you know, situations doing like the kit, you know, like if they have the play kitchen, 
having those situations where you're kind of, you know, role-playing them, making food for you, and just kind of creating these different types of like moments around food. And also that if it does become something that just seems like that they're really, really emotional about, like where, you know, if you're kind of going through holding the boundary and they're just, you know, you know, really having an issue that I would definitely look at, you know, reaching out to a professional to kind of look at like what, what else could be underlining the behavior, you know, like what else is kind of coming into this, um, I know that in like the positive parenting like realm um, that they have that idea of like the two buckets that kids need to have filled every day, like the control, like the control and power bucket and then like the um, like attention bucket. And that oftentimes, you know, like if one of those buckets is not being filled, you know, you see behave, you know, like behaviors come out of it. And so sometimes with kiddos with food, where it feels like it's their, if that feels like their only area of control in the day, and maybe all throughout the rest of the day, they don't feel like they can have, they have control over choices that sometimes you can see that, you know, it get pushed onto the like food and they really hold firm to it. So sometimes just meeting, you know, meeting with a professional or just kind of, you know, looking at all the other behaviors that are going on, not just around food can be helpful in kind of trying to tease apart what, you know, what is this about? What could be going on? Um, and so forth. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a lot, it's like the same trajectory as, you know, when you're thinking about a child's emotional health, you know, and like the listening sessions and stuff, you're, the short term is difficult, you know, like it is hard to sit there calmly through your child's behavior, but long-term, you know, you're setting them up for helping them know how to regulate themselves and staying calm and working through feelings and actually having feelings and not pushing them down. So, um, I think that's the hard part, right? Like it is in your mind, you know, like, okay, if my child chooses not to eat anything, I know they're going to be a bear. And then I have, you know, like I have to stay calm and regulated and stuff. So, okay. So I'm actually going to cut you off there. So good. Right. Um, but because our interview was so lengthy and there was so many amazing bits of knowledge, I decided to break it up into two parts. So next week we are going to be talking about meal planning and prepping, and then also holidays and how you can make that successful for your kids and for you as the parent when it comes to food. So be sure to stay tuned for that one. And in the meantime, go check out her Instagram profile. It is so good. I love following her. She has so many amazing tips and tricks, which you'll hear more about next week, but go follow her at yes peas as in the food peas nutrition. And I will link that also in the show notes so you can have easy access to it. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple podcast so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and tag me at Kaylee Josiah and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.